Alright, hello everybody, how are we doing today? Before we jump into the show, it's going to be super fun here, we are going to talk a little bit about our friends over here at Botano. So the NHL season is heating up and there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Whether you're looking to hammer on Austin Matthews anytime goal or ride the puck line with the Montreal Canadiens, our partners at Sign Up Expert want to make sure you are ready to sweat your bets with one of the best. Sign Up Expert is hooking up our listeners with one of the newest sportsbooks available in Canada, Botano. Matano is home to some of the best odds when it comes to betting on the NHL and offers unique markets, including virtual soccer and basketball. All you have to do to get started is click on the link in our video description or scan the QR code on the screen to register and place your first bet. If you thought the Vancouver Canucks have been the best surprise of the season so far, wait until you try Botano. Don't walk, run. To check out Botano today, scan that QR code or hit that link in the description to get started and start sweating your bets with the best. Always remember to bet responsibly and within your means. Viewers must be 19 plus to sign up for Botano. Now it's time to get into it. So my name's Liz, as always, and I'm here with my wonderful friend. Hold on, we're going to do a quick little OBS switch over to the new screen. Bam! It's Rachel! Hey Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited for this. I've had like a freaking countdown waiting to be reunited and talk about hockey with you. It's literally one of my favorite things to do. Well, the feeling is mutual, and I'm so excited that we have something exciting to talk about today. Both Rachel and I have big days, big weekends coming up. I have a flight that's boarding in like seven hours, so (laughs) I'm so excited about that. Um, I'm going to Toronto. A bunch of the Game Over crew is in Toronto right now. They got the Easter Seals tournament going on with Eric Lindros. Steve's got his Rachel's Raiders going. My co-host Brady is there, hence why he's not here today. But I'm here right now. And we're talking about the Winnipeg Jets win that we just came off of. So 6-3 win over the Nashville Predators. Rachel, how'd you feel about that one? I feel like I'm 2-0 now on coming on game over with you and the Jets winning. So that's great. Also, that first line is on freaking fire. Oh my gosh. Kyle Connors, seven points in two games. Hello. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. And it's so funny. You've come at the perfect time because... I have to say, if there's one offensive player that we've been harping on the most this season so far, it's been Kyle Connor. He's he's had a rough start with a couple of different stretches of just that bad defense really being being a stellar component of what we're seeing from him. So the fact that he's been outscoring that those deficiencies very significantly in the last couple of games is super exciting, and hopefully he can keep that up. Yeah. I mean, you look at that, that entire top line, I think Alex Ayafalo has fit in like super seamlessly there. And that's like really good news, right? You look at it and typically like a first line, it's kind of like your skill, speed, all of that. And Winnipeg's top line has that. But then you look and on Kyle Connor, I believe it's first, yeah, his first goal, they get off the cycle. And the reason they're able to do that, they're all big bodies. They're all able to kind of like move in different directions and, and, angle their bodies to protect the puck so they're a highly skilled line that can cycle the puck and bang Kyle Connor right in the slot completely uncovered there's his first goal like you I just I really like the I don't know like the the versatility of the Winnipeg Jets first line it's something that you don't really see across the league 
Yeah, 100%. Like, I think uh, the fact that they're able to have Alex Ayafalo fill in that extra slot has been really nice. I, I know a lot of people were worried when Gabe Velarde got hurt. They tried Mason Appleton for a bit, and it hasn't always worked with Ayafalo. But tonight in particular, like, I think um, I was so excited that Frank Corrado, I don't know, were you watching the TSN broadcast or w- which broadcast were you watching? Yeah, so so they had Corrado. I on, was. Recently been, like, one of my favorite Twitter follows. Just he's got his little laptop pulled up, and he's always playing random clips and just giving the greatest insights. So uh, I thought one of his comments he made on that line was really funny when he was talking about how he calls them a sticky line um and i think um the one thing about them with that whole stickiness and for those of you who weren't watching what he meant by that is that they have quick sticks which can sometimes lead to them getting some breaks and getting some pucks in transition where they're able to sort of do that quick little stick check in their own zone and poke that puck up and all of a sudden they're on an odd man rush so uh i think when those players are kind of all on and they're electric and they're exciting, they're getting back on their checks a little bit faster. And we know they have the ability to kind of make those pokes and those checks. And when your finishing is looking as good as it did tonight, it really helps your team win hockey games. Yeah, I will definitely second what you said about Frankie Corrado. I think he's one of the best analysts going and he's super new at this too, right? Like this is really his first full year and he's killing it. And I thought the the point he made, like you said, about being sticky is a really great point. And that's something that you see more in the Western Conference than you do in the Eastern Conference. And it's kind of one of those things that I guess we haven't really seen from the Jets, but we've seen it this season, right? You're seeing Mark Shifley, Dylan Sandberg comes to mind right away. Like I was everywhere tonight. I felt like I heard his name 1700 times. And it was all for good reasons. It was like, he's in a shot lane. He's making a pass. He's um, breaking up a rush. Like, excellent on the penalty kill. There were just so many positives from Dylan Sandberg tonight. And he was definitely one of a few Jets where, like, I noticed. I was like, okay, like, he's having legitimately good game, whether it's in uh, the neutral zone, the defensive zone. Like, I, I just really liked what he brought to the table tonight. And I think he's somebody where if he can kind of take that step and really perform consistently the way he performed tonight. He's going to be a key piece for the Jets going forward. It's going to be a really nice piece on that blue line to go along with guys like Josh Morrissey and Brendan Dillon and uh, Dylan DeMello. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I'm really glad that you brought him up because I agree. I thought I thought he looked fabulous tonight. And even, um, you know, the thing that I I really like about him as an individual is that kind of looking from a team makeup perspective. I know a lot of people when you have you know your your stud AHL defensemen, a lot of them come up and a lot of them fit that sort of one A one B two A sort of type of fit where they have that offensive flair and all those different kinds of things. And and the thing that's so nice about Dylan Sandberg is that he he really fills a void that the Winnipeg Jets defense has um with some of that more you know that's that stable type of, of defense that you don't see from players like Neil Pionk and, and Nate Schmidt that's really complementary to the style of a lot of the different partners that he gets matched with um every now and then so uh and Nate Schmidt's had you know a little bit of an interesting year he's been hot he's been cold and so having that stabilizer in Dylan Sandberg has just been so good for the organization so good for the player like I I'm a big fan of him um were there any plays in particular anything in particular about him that you wanted to dive more into yeah, I just think, like, on the penalty kill in particular, like, I I think he had one shift where he literally blocked four shots. And, like, he took a puck off the face, which is psycho. Like, maybe don't do that. But his stick, always in the right spots. Like, I noticed on the penalty kill, um, he, like, the, the Preds were trying to feed kind of pucks through cross ice and through that net front. And because his stick was consistently in the right spot and he had his body, his toe caps were facing the right way, 
that passing lane was not available and the Preds were kind of forced to keep it to the outside and really the only power play goal they got was like no fault of his um so I thought that he's kind of like really evolved for me into a really good good penalty killer slash reliable defender he's somebody that isn't afraid to use the body and so I think from a Winnipeg Jets perspective you're looking at that and it's like okay like he's probably not a top pairing defenseman but like let's say there's they get injuries or anything like that like absolutely I think Dylan Sandberg if he plays like he did tonight can do spot duty in more elevated roles and then as he develops, maybe he does turn into a number four defenseman kind of situation and I think that would be fantastic obviously for the Jets but at least you know you have a reliable penalty killer and that's I mean Dylan DeMello we know and we know like Nate Schmidt when he's playing well can penalty kill maybe it takes off a little bit of the pressure of Josh Morrissey maybe he can focus on the power play and even strength so he's not getting run into the ground and you obviously want to avoid that and so having somebody like Dylan Sandberg really kind of come into his own is super super like just lovely if you're the Winnipeg Jets front office and coaching staff yeah 100 percent. we're all we're all massive fans of the guy and, and you mentioned his penalty killing abilities it's been one um you know the special teams have been a little bit of a a sore spot for the Winnipeg Jets uh, a little bit lately but tonight it was a good thing their penalty kill wasn't terrible because they had to do a lot of it uh what did you think of, of some of the calls tonight I I think the refs you know in my opinion were they were whistle happy I don't think it really favored one team over another but it was just especially that third period I thought the Winnipeg Jets kind of lost some of their momentum they were so fabulous in the first and second and it was hard to keep that up as they're pretty much penalty killing the entirety of the third period so just curious if you had any thoughts on that (laughs) yeah um I I thought they lost control of the game honestly like when when that goalie interference that was like not even remotely close to goalie interference was called I was like what are we doing here um and then Andrew Burnett was like arguing the call and I'm like Andrew there are many things you could have argued this evening and that call is not one of them But there were just so many calls where I was kind of like, okay, if if that's the standard, I'm okay with that being the standard, but that needs to be the standard. It can't be the standard today and then tomorrow it's not. And that's the thing is like, if it's called that tight all the time, I don't have a problem with that because then that helps the star players. That helps guys like Kyle Connor and my favorite Winnipeg Jet, Cole Perfetti. Like that helps them. And so like, I'm okay with that. But I'm not okay with it if that's the standard tonight and then tomorrow it's like basically no holds bar and murder is legal and we're living in the purge. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like you have to keep control of the game and you have to be able to communicate in game because there were things that they called and then it was like the next period it didn't get called. And it's like, man, you can't even be consistent in the game. Like what? what are we doing? And I think that's where the game management comes into it. It's like, stop trying to manage the game. It's not your job. Your job is to be a ref. You're supposed to call the penalties and just, so I don't know, call them. Like that's kind of my thoughts on that. It's just like, I don't know. I'll just call the infractions as you see them and don't try and manage who gets what. No, hundred percent. I just, I, I found that it was a game that there were a lot of players that ended up in the box that, that don't always, and it was just kind of across the board, lots and lots of special teams in action tonight. And uh, for the first time in quite a while, I wasn't dreading watching the Winnipeg Jets play anything but five-on-five hockey. Um, and I thought that their power play tonight um, looked better. And I don't know, for if, if anyone here is not maybe a Jets fan or, or doesn't watch as many Jets games, you might have said, oh, that was better? Trust me, 
it was better. <laughs> the, the the Jets power play has been a little bit it of a was sore spot for a while. Um, and I think one thing about the power play is that um, obviously it looks better when that, that top line is kind of firing on all cylinders. They look fabulous tonight at five on five. So naturally that carried over a little bit onto the power play to make them look a little bit sharper. Um, but the thing that's so interesting about the Winnipeg Jets power play to me is that similarly to at five on five, um, to me, they look their most dangerous before they set up. Um, when, when things are a little bit more scattered and they're being a little bit more dynamic and exciting, to me, that's when they get some of their most dangerous looks. And then that's what happens when you have players like Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley who are, are playing better transition game. I, I want to say it was the Kyle Connor toe drag goal that was a perfect textbook example of what that line can do where I think it was a Cal Connor stick in the defensive zone where he he got the secondary assist on his own goal where he passed it up to Mark Shifley in the neutral zone and all of a sudden you're on the fly and when you have finishing talent like that it's fabulous so I think they they were doing similar things on the power play tonight where they were a little bit better um, on those looser pucks and they were able to create a little bit more chaos before they set up into their really boring stagnant five man unit um but even within that five-man unit, I saw Mark Shifley in the slot a couple times, finally, thank goodness. And, and there was a little bit more movement. So what did you think of their power play? Yeah, I mean, their power play obviously hasn't been um, great to start. But on that five-on-three goal, like, the thing that I really liked about it was they were really direct with the puck. And like you pointed out, they're better before they set up. And that's something where, statistically speaking is where teams are better. So I don't even know why teams are like, we must set up and then we can do our stuff. It's like, no, the whole point is that you're able to like outnumber players. And so when you're playing in chaos, that's where you can create the passing lanes. That's where you can create the openings. And I thought that the Jets did such a great job of doing that tonight. And it was like really obvious on the Cole Perfetti goal because able to skate into the slot, you're able to kind of get that shot off and because the Preds are so discombobulated, boom, Alex Carrier leaves Cole Perfetti right at the net front. UC Soros isn't able to control the rebound. And Cole Perfetti makes a, like an absolutely brilliant shot. First time, no handling the puck, right into the roof, short side. That's something where when you're on the power play, you're trying, the more movement you can create offensively, the more movement you're going to force defensively, more likely you are to create passing lanes. And that was something I thought the Winnipeg Jets did a great job of at five on five tonight and especially on the power play they're a team that when they can use the cycle to their advantage they can create a ton of passing lanes they can really tire teams out and so if it works for you at five on five like why wouldn't it work for you on the power play there's no reason to stay stagnant and i thought that when the jets were moving tonight especially on the power play they were able to kind of create those passing lanes force mistakes force predators out of position and that's exactly what you want to be doing on the power play because that's how you capitalize. There's no reason Cole Perfetti should have been all alone for like four and a half seconds at the net front, but that's exactly what happened because of the way the Jets approached the power play. And I think if they can continue to do that, they're going to have more success in the power play. A hundred percent. And you mentioned it earlier and I have my camera shut off for Rachel, but I'm sure those of you who are watching on YouTube could see my eyes light up when she said one of her favorite players is Cole Perfetti because that is that is my special little guy. And tonight was um, one of the specialty nights for the One Pig Jets. It was their Manitoba Moose night. And I know that uh, Cal Connor and, and Cole Perfetti were their big advertising pieces of those because both of those players uh, played a decent chunk of their early career with the Manitoba Moose. So uh, really nice showing to have both of those guys show up tonight. Um, 
but let's talk a little bit about Cole Perfetti. You, you've already kind of gone over that goal, which I, oh my goodness, my, my job was dropped. It was just, I always talk about how cool Cole Perfetti is. And I don't mean that to be like, he's a, you know, chill dude, which I'm sure he is, but just so he probably calm is, yeah. <laughs> in so many situations, even though, you know, people are always freaking out. It's like, you know, nobody will say anything and someone's like, did you know Cole Perfetti's small? Think about how small Cole Perfetti is. It's like, it's brought up like unprompted <sighs> every five seconds. And I'm like, who cares? Um, but for someone who is a little bit of a smaller player, and it matters right now, that's why I'm bringing it up. Um, he never panics. He never looks out of place. Never anything. Like he's just he's so so chill, so cool on the ice, and that was a perfect example of it. Talk a little bit about Cole Perfetti, Rachel. Yeah, I mean, I if I have to hear about small hockey players, like Connor Bedard is five ten. Everyone, like I, I don't know. He had four points tonight. It looks pretty good to me. Like. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I mean, Martin St. Louis was pretty good. He's also like 5'10". Sidney Crosby's only 5'11". So I think like if you're good at hockey, it probably doesn't matter how tall you are. It's not really all that relevant. And so we should probably just leave that alone. And somebody like Cole Perfetti, the thing with smaller players who are successful is they're all really smart. Their ability to read the play, their hockey IQ to find the open spaces, to find the quiet spots, to get their sticks in the right position to create those passing lanes is off the charts. And the reason that is, is because when they were small, like from the time they were playing like little people under six hockey, I don't even know what it's called right now, but they were always the small kids. Whereas like, if you have a big woolly mammoth, big child, they don't have to learn hockey sense because they're just bigger than everyone else. And so when they're learning to play hockey, they can just bully everyone and like throw kids like Cole Perfetti out of the way. So guys like Cole Perfetti, Connor Bedard, like they all have to learn and adjust to the fact that they aren't going to be able to bully kids. And so they have to find quiet spaces and they have to find different ways to get open and different ways to impact the game. And that forces them to learn how to read the game at a much higher level than some of the bigger players. And that's not to say that some big players don't have hockey sense, but it is rare to find a small NHL player that doesn't have elite hockey sense. And Cole Perfetti is a perfect example of that. His shot is redonkulous. Like he, his release from the time I watched him in the OHL, I was like, yo, this kid is gross, like nasty shot. And you saw that tonight, but you look at it, Alex Carrier, like he kind of just snuck in behind Alex Carrier and then bam, right at the net front. Thanks for coming. We're going to go to a face-off at center ice. And so that's something where Cole Perfetti, if he can learn how to play off of contact as opposed to playing through contact, probably get hurt a little bit less, which would mean he would be in the lineup. But in terms of actually capitalizing on the scoring chances he gets, this is something that is probably going to become a routine for him just because he's done it all his life. A hundred percent. I think that's a really, really good kind of uh, example and, and sort of thought process behind exactly what we see at the draft all the time. And I always laugh because it's like, what are they going to put for someone's weakness is that they have like they're they're dumb in hockey. Like it's never really a weakness. But for some players like someone like Cole Perretti, it's like a very notable strength and someone like, you know, Kyle Connor, I wouldn't necessarily put it up there as a particular skill for him. Um, but it is really nice to see that come to fruition. It's also fun. Those types of players are really awesome to watch them with really cool line mates. And that's one reason that a lot of people have been really excited to see what Cole Perfetti can do with Nick Eilers, um, who just hasn't really been himself um, for pretty much the whole season. Uh, Hockey Stat Cards just put out their um, their visuals of, of the 
Domlu's Chishin game score as they do after every game. One of my favorite Twitter account follows. Um, and as expected, pretty much every jet is in the positive for, for most of their on-ice production. I know at some point during the game, the Corsi 4 percentage of the um, top line was something like in the 80 percentile like it was just crazy dominance for a lot of the winnipeg gents is, is that good might be good um yeah it's but <laughs> nikolai ehlers um as expected as aligns with i'm sure what a lot of people saw not one of the winnipeg jets best players tonight that's not to say he was bad not to say he had any particular issues but um in in true nikolai ehlers 2023 season so far fashion he just looked a little bit off um any thoughts on that player tonight yeah, like the thing about Ehlers is like I kept kind of looking for him and I couldn't find him. So he didn't stand out poorly, which is a good thing, but he didn't stand out well either. And that's something that I've kind of really come to expect from Nikolai Ehlers is like he, he is fast as heck, right? Like that that guy's speed is hilarious and his ability to transition the puck, which doesn't show up on the game scorecards. I thought he did do that decently well tonight, but again, he's not impacting the play the way that we've kind of come to expect. And I kind of wonder, I mean, last year he missed a chunk of time, wasn't really himself for a certain amount of time. Obviously, Scott O'Neill's kind of taken over the the bench um, right now with Rick Bonus out. But you, you kind of look at it, and it's almost like Nikolai Ehlers looks a little bit lost. Like he's kind of like the forgotten puppy out there. You're never going to break up that top line. But I wouldn't hate to see... Ehlers and Connor together again like a an Ehlers Connor Perfetti line would be like it's a chef's kiss for me and probably for you too um but I would like to see maybe like when uh Gabe Velarde comes back Gabe Velarde slots in and and there's a little bit of skill happening there it's just like Nikolai Ehlers is capable of driving a line and he's just not doing it right now so I I wonder if there are some lingering effects from the injury, if maybe his training program in the offseason, which has a huge impact on how a player plays throughout the season, which is why like Trevor Zegers, for example, who missed training camp looks horrendous to start this year. And statistically speaking, guys who miss training camp, that happens all the time. So I wonder if Nikolai Ehlers training program in the offseason was maybe a little bit impacted by the lingering effects of his injury last year. And maybe that's impacted kind of his start to the year, which would be like super unfortunate, obviously. But that's really the only explanation I can come up with, because other than that, like, I can't figure out why. Yeah, and I think I think you make a good point that it's it's not all bad um, from him. And, and we're used to just really crazy fun offensive dominance and and that part isn't there but the pieces that make him a really special player like that transition game and those exits and entries like a lot of those those behaviors and and actions are still pretty visible and he's still capable of all those things but yeah missing missing training camp for a weird injury was definitely not favorable to that player and in his development at the time you knew how excited he was to get back out there after the unfortunate piece of that that sports hernia last year so I think it's just kind of a couple strokes of bad luck for this player but I, I'm sure we'll we'll get around to to seeing the real Nikolai Ehlers very soon but um before we get into our kind of show wrap-up chat questions so everyone if you have any questions please feel free to, to throw those into the chat so we can talk a little bit about some of the things that we saw tonight and some things to continue on um and for those of you who are here watching live thank you so much for being here we really appreciate you uh tuning into the the live stream here on YouTube and if you're watching back tomorrow morning Thank you so much for being here as well. Um, but Rachel, the Winnipeg Jets play again on Saturday. That's their next game. Uh, so, you know, nice little two-day break. They got a nice long homestand. 
last game against St. Louis. Uh, it was an away game, finish off the road trip, really strong performance there as well. Another strong one tonight. What do they need to keep doing in order to sort of keep this up and become, dare I say, Canada's team? <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, well, like... If you look at it, you look to the province to the east and that team, actually both teams are just like the hot mess express. You look at the teams in Alberta and I mean that that province is close to being on fire with those teams. So I feel like the Jets are kind of like the most stable team. Like in Vancouver, the media is somehow arguing over things. I'm not really even sure what's going on over there. It seems like everything is just relatively normal in Winnipeg and I like normal. So like I think I might just like chill with the Jets for a bit. Because I just need some like normalcy and some just putting along. And so I think the Winnipeg Jets, they're going to be successful. And Jets hockey, to be successful, you need to see what you saw tonight. So good penalty killing, sticks in lanes, stickiness like Frankie Corrado talked about. And then offensively, you need to see that buy-in. So, I mean... Adam Lowry, like, talk about leading with the C on your chest. Holy moly. That guy was nuts tonight. But you look at it, Winnipeg is a cycle team offensively. And when the top line's doing it, that means the second line can do it. That means the third line and the fourth line can do it. Right down to guys like Mason Appleton. I just think that if Winnipeg is going to continue to have success, they need to get in, get on the cycle, use their bodies to their advantage, get pucks to the net quickly, capitalize on that, and they need to continue to keep pucks to the outside, right? It, you, they played really well in front of Laurent Brossois tonight. You play that well in front of Connor Hellebuck, and he's getting a shutout. Like, he's one of the best goalies in the league, and so I think if the Winnipeg Jets want to have sustained success, they take the game tape from tonight and go, this is what we need to execute, because they pretty much ticked every single box that they need to tick to be successful in terms of their game, especially when somebody like Connor Hellebuck is in net. If you only have to ask him to make two or three big saves at night, you are cooking because he is more than capable of about five or six, but he's probably not capable of like 13. And so you you want to keep it kind of around that three or four area so you don't kind of tire him out. And the way they can do that is, is doing what they did tonight, right? Keep pucks to the outside, sticks in lanes, blocking shots, and keeping the puck in the offensive zone by cycling. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I think those are all things that they're they're more than capable of doing. Um, which brings us into a couple of the things that uh, the chat wants to bring up. So uh, the first question that we have here is: uh, Let's talk about how Lowry woke up and chose violence today. And I think um, when, Rachel, you mentioned that you know they they were doing a lot of the things that they need to do right tonight. And I think it was really evident to even the crowd for if you're watching on TV, like that crowd was into it. Like they had the chance going. Like they were so excited, so fired up to be there. And all of it starts in that first period when, you know, Lowry answers the bell when someone, you know, goes after one of his teammates and, you know, clean, dirty hit, doesn't matter. Like, that's what your captain does. And at first I was worried. Normally I say, Adam Lowry, like, go for it. That's exactly what you're here to do. I know you're capable of doing it. And I'd rather have you sit out for five minutes than someone from our top line. However, early on in this game, I was still worried because that Adam Lowry line has been so fabulous lately. And especially when he went for that second fight, so that's 10 full minutes out of the first, what, 25 of the game. I was a little worried. I was like, you know, we're, we're breaking up that line that's been so strong for the rest of the team. Oh my goodness, is the rest of the Winnipeg Jets roster going to be able to fill that gap? Spoiler alert, they were. I love being wrong when I'm wondering if Mark Shifley and Cal Connor can cook. Like, I, I'm always like, oh, I think they need to be split up. And then they do this shit. And I'm like, you know what? Never mind. I don't know anything and it's fine. Um, 
But it was a huge contributor to, I think, how the Winnipeg Jets, the, the momentum and the atmosphere was tonight. And the fact that they had all those calls in the third period, um, you know, it was okay because they had a cushion built up already because they had so much momentum and they already had a few goals in the bank. So what did you think of Lowry tonight and kind of how that performance helped the team? Yeah, I, you mentioned it, right? You don't like to see your guy fighting uh, twice in a row. Um, that was wild. That was a little bit unhinged. Um, maybe let's not make a habit of doing that. Rick Bona is probably at home like, okay, Adam, that's enough of that. Um, but that's exactly what a captain does, right? He sees somebody go after his player, clean or dirty, doesn't matter. You need to send the message that that behavior is unacceptable and it will not be tolerated in the city of Winnipeg. And that's exactly what he did. And then he came out of the box and was apparently still angry because then he, he just continued on his punching ways. Guy looks like he belongs in the UFC out there. But I thought that did a really good job of not only getting, he kind of dragged the Jets into the game. It was like, hey, if I'm going to fight twice, all of you better be physically committed because I'm going to effectively nearly break my hand dealing with all of this. And I thought the crowd really responded to like, Watching that, I was like, Dan, I got to get to a game in Winnipeg. Like, th this place is wild. I mean, think about where I live. That place is a morgue on a good day, right? And so I see the crowd in Winnipeg, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I need to go to a game there. Because Adam Lowry gets in that first fight. Crowd's already fired up. Then he comes out of the box, very next shift, punching again. I was just like, Jesus, dude. But if you look at what it did to the Winnipeg Jets and the body language after that second fight – Hits were being thrown. There was there were finishing checks. They were hard on pucks. They're back checking. They're tracking well. Everyone's in the right spots. Like it just felt like the intensity level got ratcheted up about three levels. And that's leadership. That's what you're looking for from your captain to set the tone. And I thought Adam Lowry from the get go tonight said, "I am going to be a difference maker. I might not be the Kyle Connor goal scorer that." Maybe you get from your top line, but I am going to set the tone for what we're doing tonight as a Winnipeg Jets hockey club and his entire team followed suit. It's just fantabulous leadership by Adam Lowry. 100%. Is that even a word? It is now because it describes Adam Lowry, so we're good with it. But that's the thing about that about that lie, right? Is that you know all I want is for you to be a positive player, like, and it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't going to stay up, and it shouldn't have had to stay up that his line was scoring every goal. All I need is exactly what he did tonight. Now, it doesn't necessarily need to get into two fights, but you know if he's got you know he's sticking up for his teammates, throwing a couple points on the board. You know what? That that's all I can ask for from the player. So that that's that it was fantastic, and you love to see it from the guy, especially in front of a home crowd. Uh, we got a question here from Daniel um, with thoughts on Brassois, which. Which I think is an interesting one. I know it, it was tough tonight. It was a good thing that the Jets, you know, were playing some pretty, you know, consistently good offensive hockey that they were able to make up for a couple of the blunders because a couple of the goals tonight, and I'm not trying to, you know, speak poorly of Philip Forsberg or anything like that because fabulous hockey player, but some of those were not Laurent Brassois' greatest moments. Uh, any thoughts on the Jets' backup goaltender tonight? My God, that Philip Forsberg goal was ugly like okay like he made the saves he he needed to make but when that went in like i didn't even need to see a replay that went in and i audibly went oof like that there, when i worked for teams there was always three categories could have had it should have had it no chance that falls under the should have had it category he moved like if he stays where he is that probably hits him in the head but he like moves and kind of like fans at it and like I don't like attacks it with his glove almost like a 
panther paw. Like I wasn't really sure what was going on there. He should have just like put his glove there and like let it hit his glove kind of thing. But there was like all this movement. And then because he was moving and the puck was moving this way, it just kind of went like, and it was just not ideal. And you could kind of tell like even Philip Forsberg was like, oh, hey, I, I scored. Like he was not expecting that to go in. And that's kind of one of those ones where Brassois was lucky that it wasn't like uh, a much closer game because that's something where in a tie game, if that goes in, that could be a backbreaker. Like that, that could be a massive problem in the playoffs. Oh my goodness. That could be the the difference between winning and losing a series. And so you look at it. I thought Brassois overall, he was fine, right? You just, all you need is your goaltender to give you a chance to win. And Laurent Brassois came in and he did two jobs tonight. Give his team a chance to win. Tick. Give Connor Hellebuck the night off. Tick. Okay, perfect. Did his job. Doesn't have to be pretty. Doesn't need to be a Pablo Picasso. And it certainly wasn't. But Connor Hellebuck got the night off. Got to sit in a ball cap. And the Winnipeg Jets got two points. And so from that perspective, you can't really ask for much more than that. I probably just would have liked one more save. Yeah, 100%. I think that's exactly it. I know it's so easy to, to look at a goaltender where they have goals led and it's like, oh, uh, like you said, coulda, shoulda, woulda, and all those different kinds of things. But their job is to not lose hockey games on the odd night that they have to play. And you know what? That's what happens. So, you know, I'll take the big wins out of this game being that first line. Uh, and we have a, a special shout out to Brendan Dillon with another rocket. Um, someone in the chat says more goals than McDavid this year. Is that real? I have no idea. I know the Oilers are a mess, but there's no way Connor McDavid has only three goals. Does he actually? Yeah, he does. Um, now he was That's injured bad. for like I, 10 yeah, days. But still, it's also Brendan um, but Dillon. Like if it was like, the, oh, there is a reason Morris, that the Oilers are two. <laughs> there's a reason the Oilers are two, eight, and one. Um, it's not good. Like he's still a point a game, but for Connor McDavid, who was like literally two points a game last year, uh, not good enough. They're playing the Sharks tonight, so there's always a chance he puts up a hat trick tonight because LOL the Sharks. Um, but the reality of the situation is, is yeah, Brendan Dillon's out scoring Connor McDavid as of November the 9th. Well, you know what? You love to see it. I'm going to put that on a poster. Brendan Dillon, noted better goal scorer than Connor McDavid. I think that kind of just sums up how a lot of us are feeling about the Jets right now. We're happy. We're excited. Barn murder tonight with all kinds of exciting goals. And I, I think that pretty much wraps up all we wanted to talk about tonight. So, uh, Rachel, before we end it off, where can everyone find you to get all the good content on everything hockey related from you? Yeah, you can find me on the Staff and Graph podcast. Um, we have a YouTube channel now, and I've been told that I have funny facial expressions um and so you'll get to see those if you watch it on youtube um i'm puck bucks on tiktok although i got locked out of my account today so that's fun and i'm rachel dory on twitter but if you follow me on tiktok you'll see collabs with Liz, and there might be some stuff coming on youtube so that's where you can find me um i'm that girl that um makes models and predicts hockey stuff so um if you're interested in, in being a nerd and also maybe like a whole lot of sarcasm um that's kind of what i specialize in well that was an excellent elevator pitch i'm sold i follow rachel on everything one of my favorite follows and you should too so uh thank you so much rachel for joining me tonight for those of you who are live in the chat with us thank you for being here as always uh make sure you check out batano if you want to place a bet on some uh you know jets games going forward maybe hit the over on some cal connor shots and goals because it sounds like we're turning in the right direction uh and we'll see you all next time we have someone from a different game over market pinch hitting on saturday because both brady and i are actually in toronto uh which is very exciting so hopefully visiting me visiting 
you. Uh, hopefully the Jets can keep up their um, trend of succeeding against Central Division opponents on Saturday when they face off against the Dallas Stars. Rachel, have a fabulous evening. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Make sure you hit that like on your way out. We will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Game!